The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. How good was worship night the other night? So good. We always walk away as a team just going, man, how can, how, how can God top that? And every single worship night has just, every time, just so you guys know, you, sometimes you, you guys don't get to see what happens on the back end, some of the testimonies that come in. We've seen healings, so much freedom take place. God really shows up at those nights. But I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but how easy it is to come and worship at one of those. It's like you come in and it's like the first song and we feel it as a team. The first song kicks off and it's just like, whoa, God's here right now. Like, all right, let's go. But I don't know if you've ever gone into some private time with worship um, with the Lord, but sometimes it's just a little bit different, right? Like it's so easy to engage whenever you're in a big group of people, but sometimes when we get one-on-one, it can be a little bit uncomfortable at first. And I think that's because when we worship at a worship night or we worship on Sunday mornings, it's kind of like a group date with God. And then when we worship in our own private time, it's kind of like a one-on-one date. And that reminds me of Kaylee and I. See, Kaylee and I, my wife, she's right there in, in the black, the cute one over there. She, um, we actually met when we were five years old in kids' choir. And we grew up together in the same church and in the same school. We didn't date. We were just friends. Um, but, but something happened our senior year. Um, it was the, the summer after our senior year, summer loving. We were both... Uh, we were both camp counselors at the junior high camp, and uh, uh, I remember it was at, at the time of worship for the, for the camp. It was the night session. We were worshiping out of a, a room full of a thousand people. God highlighted her to me, and I remember praying, God, would you give me a woman like that? Would you give me a girl that loves you and worships you like that? And it was just kind of like, I was like, well, it's because I made her for you. And, yeah. and, and, and I remember God spoke to me, and he said that, that that's the woman you're going to marry. And so I did what any 18-year-old romantic would do in the 21st century. I got on my phone and I sent her a text. I was like, yo, girl, I need to talk with you tomorrow. Come find me. And so the next day I was on beach duty and I was on buoy duty. And so we would take um, every camp, every year our camp would be um, out in the, at the beach. And so I was on the, the job of holding the buoy that had a string that went all the way out into the ocean so that the kids knew how far to swim. So I should have been paying attention to them, but I wasn't. And I'm holding this buoy and up walks Kaylee. Let me paint this picture for you. I'm holding this buoy. The waves are just crashing over me. I'm shirtless, flexing as hard as I can. Up, up walks Miss Kaylee, and I begin to tell her all this speech that I've been working on all night long, and I ended with this line that was, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, I'll always love you. And it worked. It didn't freak her out or anything. She was just kind of like, okay, I can get on board with that. And, and we went from talking about English homework to talking about a wedding. But let me just tell you what I learned about her in the dates that would follow was way more than I would ever, was ever going to learn about her in the group setting. See, I got to know her in the group setting. But see, I got to know her in a deeper way in the one-on-one. And I want to I tell you this morning that God wants to have more than a group date level of relationship with you. God wants a one-on-one relationship with each of us. But if we're going to get there, if we're going to grow in our relationship, grow in knowing God, and that's what we're all about here at New Song is helping people know God. If we're going to grow in that, we're going to have to have a deeper understanding of what our worship is and what our worship does. There's two questions I want to answer this morning. What is worship and what does worship do? 
Well, if you've been at New Song for any amount of time, you've probably heard it said that worship is love expressed. That as we sing our songs of worship to God, we're expressing our love to Him. That He in turn reaches down, He touches us with His love, and He expresses His love back to us. And as I was studying this week, I found a verse that I think perfectly encapsulates everything that that statement says. And I think it actually gives us a deeper understanding into the love languages of God. You've heard that before in our His groups. They talked about love languages and how each of us has a, have certain love languages, ways that we give and receive love. We're made in God's image. God has love languages too. So this verse, I had you turn to it, Deuteronomy 6.5. It'll be on the screens if you don't have your Bibles. This is what it says. It says, and you must love the Lord... Your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. So this verse gives us three ways, three things that make up what worship is. And I want to take a couple minutes this morning and break down what that verse means, what each of those things are. So the first thing is your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Well, Pastor Josh talked a couple weeks ago about how our heart is the, the seat of who we are. That everything that we are, is, it's the center of everything that makes us us. In Proverbs 4.23, it says this. It says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So to love God with all our heart means this. It says, we love God with all our heart when we place him in the center of it. When he's the center of our affection and the source of our provision. So another way to say that would be to say that loving God with your heart is giving him your heart's affection. That's my first point this morning. Worship, if you're taking notes, write this down. Worship is intentionally giving God our heart's affection. So that brings us to our mind. Well, what's our mind? Our mind's made up of three things. Our mind, our, will, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. So to give God uh, the, the love of your soul would be this. It'd be simply to give him your attention. Give him your attention. Well, that means that worship music is more than just putting music on in the background. It's more than just listening to music while, worship music while you're getting ready for the day or when you're at work. And none of those things are bad. But worship music becomes worship when we give him our, our attention and we give him our focus. It's kind of like uh, with Kaylee and I. Kaylee works as a nurse and she works night shift. And so she likes to call me on her way home from work, which is usually around 7.30 in the morning. Well, the problem is, is that's when I'm getting ready for my day, as I'm getting ready to leave for the day. And so she'll give me a call. And so I'll, I'll take my phone out and I'll, I'll put it down and I'll put it on speakerphone as I'm brushing my teeth or getting ready for the day. And just sometimes, some, not all the time, but just sometimes, I can tend to forget that she's talking to me. And it's not because she's not interesting, and it's not because I'm not interested, it's just because I get distracted, right? Anyone there before? It's easy to get distracted. Well, listen, God wants and better yet deserves our undivided attention. We have to take time in our day where we intentionally focus all of our mind's attention. We, we put away all the distractions of life. We put our phone on airplane mode. We, 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 we find a time when we're away from our kids or away from the distractions of life and we focus our attention on him. So that's my second point this morning. Worship is intentionally giving God your heart's affection and your mind's attention, which leads us to this, loving the Lord your God with all your strength. Now, full disclosure, when I was a kid, I used to think this meant having big muscles and loving God with those. Uh, but that's what we do in our kids' classes. Even here, it's, I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. But that word strength really has nothing to do with physical strength at all. It actually, it, it, it's this word, mahode, which means might, force, or abundance. So another way to say that would be to love the Lord your God with all that you have. Or another way to say that would be to love the Lord your God with your life. 
Now see, in the Old Testament, you never went to the temple to worship empty-handed. You always had some type of sacrifice or some type of offering to bring. And although we don't sacrifice animals anymore because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, he was the perfect sacrifice, we still can't come to worship and truly worship empty-handed. We always bring an offering, and that offering is ourselves. That sacrifice that we bring is ourselves. Watch with me in in 1 Kings 8. Now this is when Solomon is building the temple and he's built the temple and this is the first day that the temple is open for business. It says this, 1 Kings 8, 4 through 5, it says, Then they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with them were with him before the ark. Now watch this. It says, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. So I'll paint this picture for you. This is like the temple's launch day. About two years ago, New Song had a launch day. Um, and I'm so glad that we, we didn't have sacrificing animals on the agenda. That would be, it would be weird. No one would come back. It's like, welcome to New Song. Grab your goat. You'll need it during the service. <laughs> but what it says here, what I, what, what I want us to pay attention to this morning is that it says that the loudest sound of worship in the temple on that day was not songs being sung, although there was singing. And the loudest sound of worship in the temple that day was not prayers, although there were prayers that were being lifted up. But what this passage tells us is that the loudest sound of worship on the day that the temple was opened and every day to follow was the sound of things dying. It was the sound of animals being sacrificed for the sin of the people. And listen, although we don't, I know that's kind of a grotesque picture this morning, but it really paints a beautiful picture for what the foundation of our worship has to be on. It's, it, I think it's easy to get caught up in the songs, and it's easy to get caught up in the prayers, and we should continue to sing, and we should continue to pray. But at the, at the core of our worship, what it has to be, what God deserves, is us. It's, it's, it's the sound of, of our lives being sacrificed, our, our, who we are being laid on the altar as, as we surrender everything in light of his holiness and what he's done for us. Okay? So worship is this. Worship is giving God our heart's affection, our mind's attention, and our life's submission. So if you're taking notes, write that down. I think that that's a, a, a good way of looking and being able to determine, okay, is what I'm doing right now, is it worship? Am I connecting with God through worship right now? Am I giving him my heart's affection? Am I giving him my mind's attention? Am I giving him my life's submission? So now that we've answered what worship is, I want to answer the question of when and where. Now for me, I personally find that the best time for me to worship um, in my daily walk with the Lord is on my way to work because I have about 15 minutes that I'm dry, I drive, I live in Edmond and our offices are over on the other side of town. And so I've got a perfect 15 minutes where I'm not on my phone. Um, I'm not talking to anyone on the phone. Um, no one's sending me emails because it's before the days start. For me, that's the perfect time for me to spend time worshiping God. I don't know what that looks like for you. We don't have kids, so I've, my life's a lot, a lot freer right now. <laughs> but what does that look like for you? I don't know. But here's what I know. It, it, you have to find the time because it's so valuable. Yeah. And I'm going to spend some time uh, right after this where I'm going to be talking about some of the benefits that comes with worship. Because my, my hope this morning is to challenge you to see worship as not just something that you should do, but something that you can't live without. Something that you can't see what your life would look like without it. Okay, so this is the first benefit. Worship is a choice. Now, I know that doesn't sound like much of a benefit, but it's really two benefits. It's a, it's a two for one on this point. Um, worship is a choice 
is a benefit not uh, because it's even an option at all. See, in the Old Testament, they, they didn't have access to God like we do. Jesus hadn't come. They, they, they were separated from God. And so if they wanted to have an encounter with God, they had to do it through a priest or a prophet or a judge. But because of what Jesus did, he came and he tore the veil. See, we have access to have a face-to-face encounter with God every single day. So the fact that worship is even an option at all is a benefit. But the second way that worship being a choice is a benefit is that it's not just a choice, but it's the choice. Here's what I mean by that is, is as we make the choice to worship God, what we're saying is, God, I choose you. I choose your way. As we give him our heart's affection and our mind's attention and most importantly, our life submission, we're going, God, more than anything, I, I, I want to do things your way. And as we make that choice, and that's why I want to encourage you to, to find time in the beginning of your day to do this, we've then just made a choice that impacts all the rest of our choices for the rest of the day. It makes choosing God easier. It makes coming against an opportunity where maybe we, we would respond in a way that, that we know that we shouldn't to a coworker, to our spouse. It, it, it makes it easier to go, no, I've already chosen God today. So we're, we're just reaffirming the choice that we made. Look, look with me over here in Matthew 6.33. It says this, but seek first. I won't say first. 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 Seek this before anything else. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I love what the message version says. It says this. It says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. I love that imagery of steeping. It's like when you go to make tea. You can't just take a cup of hot water and plunk a little tea bag in there and then call it tea. You won't get any of the benefits from it. It's got to, that tea bag has to spend time soaking in that hot water so it'll release the, the, the good flavors and the good benefits that are inside of it. See, listen, God's presence is the same exact way. We need to seek God first, but it doesn't mean we need to seek God fast. We need to spend time soaking in his presence every single day. When we worship, we choose to put God first and we choose to make him the foundation of our day and our life. Romans 12.1 says this, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. So here's, here's the worship, here's the sacrifice part. This is where we're saying, Jesus, you're the Lord, Jesus, you're the boss. Because of all that he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then watch what it says. It says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Amen. I don't know if you ever had this thought before, but I, I, I wish I didn't. Ju- I, I just wish I didn't do this. I wish I wasn't an anxious person. I wish I didn't struggle with fear or anxiety. I wish I wasn't so snappy with my kids or with my spouse. Or, or maybe, maybe you've had this kind of thought before. I, I just wish I didn't do this. I wish I didn't struggle with this. I wish I didn't deal with this. Well, what this verse is saying is that the, the act of choosing God, the, the act of worship, the act of surrender, it really enables God to work in us. And, it, and what it does is God will then transform us into a person who doesn't deal with those things. But there's a catch. God can only work in my life as much as my will allows him to. If you're taking notes, that's a good one to to write down. God can only work in my life as much as my will allows him to. That verse, back to Romans 12, it says, let God transform you. We give God permission to work in our lives. We give him an invitation. God can't change what he doesn't control. God can't impact where he's not been invited. 
that's why the sacrificial aspect of worship is so important because um, there's an exchange that takes place. And this is the exchange. Our will for his work. And I think all of us would say, no, we want God to work in our life. We would all, we've all prayed the prayer, God, would you do what only you can do? Or maybe we've prayed for healing before. Or maybe we've prayed for restoration in our marriage. Or, or maybe we've prayed to, for God to transform us into a new person who doesn't have the same struggles and the same, the same burdens. But I, I think the problem is not with the wanting God's work. I think the problem is with the surrendering of our will. Because as we surrender our will, we exchange it for the work of God in our lives. So worship is a choice, and not only is it a choice, but it's the choice. Because listen, God wants to help you be a good husband. He wants to help you be a good wife. He wants to help you be a good parent. Um, But it's going to require you surrendering and submitting your will to his, okay? So worship is a choice. The second thing that worship is, is worship is creative. So when God created the the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1, um, the Bible says that he actually spoke those things into existence, So how does God create? God creates with his words. And I want to tell you this morning, God wants to create things in each of us. He wants to create passions and dreams. He wants to create ideas for your businesses and for your jobs. He wants to create calling and he wants to create his plan and his purposes for you in our lives. But what that's going to require is us positioning ourselves in a place to hear him. That's why worship is creative because what it does is as we, as we give him our heart's affection and, and, this, and this point, it's important to remember our mind's attention, we give him an opportunity to speak those things into our lives. Um, back to that Romans 12 verse, there's a verse that comes right after it. And it says this, it's, it's right after don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It says this, it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. My dad always said this. Uh, my dad always said, God wants you to know his will more than you want to know it. And it's true. God wants, God's got really good plans for each of us in here. And, and sometimes when we're beating our head against the wall going, I don't understand what God's doing here. God's going, I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to speak these things into you. Speak this passion. Speak these ideas. And I, I've seen this work in Kaylee and I's life. When we were in school, we went to school in Dallas. And when I went to school, I lived with, uh, I lived in a three-bedroom apartment with six guys. So I want you to just imagine what that looks and smells like. And I just want to tell you, it's worse, it's worse than that. And I didn't really realize the gravity of how, how disgusting it was, my living conditions, until I got married and moved in with Kaylee and was like, oh my gosh, she smells so good, you know, like... She picks up after herself. You know, she doesn't leave chicken nuggets still on the tray when she puts them on the, in the sink. But uh, as you can imagine, as you can imagine, in this in this uh, third world country of an apartment, um, it was it, it, there wasn't a lot of quiet time. I mean, there was always something going on. There was always somebody over, always someone there. But there was one particular night where um, nobody was there for whatever reason. They all had different plans. And so I found myself in the apartment alone, and it was like, yes, peace and quiet. And then I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to spend some time in worship. And so I went into my room, and I put on some worship music, and I lit a candle, not for any spiritual reasons, but just because it's just kind of cover up some of the smell. And and, and I just spent some time um, doing what that verse says is just soaking in his presence, just spent some time worshiping. And I wasn't but two or three songs in when I felt the Holy Spirit nudge on my heart. And I go, Holy Spirit, is there anything that you want to tell me right now? 
And he spoke to me as clear as day. He said, I want you to go with Josh. Now, at that time, I hadn't been working for Pastor Josh for very long. Um, and so I text him and I go, hey, Pastor Josh, um, I felt like God just told me that uh, I was supposed to go with you somewhere. Are you changing campuses? Are you changing ministries? You know, what, what's going on? Can you speak to this at all? And that's when he responded with, um, he responded with, well, actually, Sarah and I have felt led to go plant a church. We've been asking God to send you with us. But, I, but what I want you to, to catch here is that what if I hadn't spent the time in worship that day? I mean, my life would be totally different. Now, three years later, we're coming up on three years living here. My life would be radically different if I just missed that one opportunity where the Lord wanted to speak something in my heart. Listen, don't miss an opportunity because God wants to create in you every single day. Sometimes it's earth-shattering things where it changes the trajectory of your life. But sometimes he just wants to speak some passion and some energy and some life into you, okay? So worship is not only a choice, but it is creative. Worship is creative. Okay, the third thing that worship is, is worship is combative. Worship is combative. Now, something that you may not know is that before your boy David existed, there was a little chunky kid named Chavid. Chunky David. And and Chavid's parents, (laughs) yes, we're talking about the child version of me. Just to be clear, I didn't morph into a new person. No, I weighed about the same that I do right now, but I was about this tall. No, I was a chunky little kid. And, and Chavit's parents thought, you know what we're going to do with our, with our son during the summer? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to jam him into some spandex, and we're going to put him on the swim team. And I've actually got a picture of, look at that. Just, you have no shame when you're a kid. You know, you don't know to be embarrassed of that. <laughs> just belly out, just... I'm thinking about the race that I'm definitely going to lose. And so I spent my summers on the swim team. I was a trailwood gator. Yep. I was a trailwood gator. Um, but I remember this one particular practice that I had when I was on the swim team where my parents had dropped me off early. It must have been a Wednesday where they had choir practice or something up at the church. They dropped me off at practice. And so me and my friend um, do what boys do when they, when, they, when they have time on their hands is they invent games to hurt, them, hurt each other. So we were playing that game where we're popping each other with a towel um, because that's fun, I guess. So we're popping each other the towel. Well, I guess this, this kid's dad thought that I was beating up on his son. And so the next thing I know is that this dad has come over and he's ripped this towel out of my hand mid-swing. And then he begins to yell at me in front of all the other parents and all the other kids at, at this pool. And I, I remember I was wearing these blue goggles and I remember my, my eyes, my goggles just started filling up with tears. As, I was just so embarrassed, you know. So practice starts and we get going. But what I didn't know is that somebody had, uh, one of the moms had called my dad and had said, hey, you need to get down here. There's a guy that was yelling at your son. And so the next thing I know is I see my dad roll up in his car and, and, and he makes a beeline for this guy. And my dad, who's one of the kindest, most godly men that I know, turned into Papa Bear. Yeah. And he starts ripping into this guy. And and listen, I I walked out of that swim practice with my head a little bit higher because I knew no one was going to mess with me as long as he was here. 
Listen, that's what our worship does. It reminds us that we've got a father in heaven and he doesn't like it when his kids get messed with. And when the enemy comes against us, we need to combat it with worship because what it does is it reminds not only us, it reminds them, listen, we belong to someone way bigger than you. Okay. There's a, there's a scripture that is in, there's a story in second Chronicles. And I love this story. Pastor Josh spoke on, on a worship message. Um, uh, it was like a year ago now. Um, and he, he talks about this story, but I'll give you the short version. It's in second Chronicles and it's with King Jehoshaphat. And, and at that time, Judah was, being un, was under attack from three different nations. And it says that the enemy made a, the enemy uh, soldiers versus the Judeans, were, were the, they were outnumbered 10 to 1. And so Jehoshaphat the king is, is leading the army into battle and is responding to the enemy's attacks. And, and watch what it says. It's such a cool story. It says, after consulting the people... The king, which is, this is King Jehoshaphat, appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. So this is how my mind works. I kind of, I, I like to, to picture things like a, like a movie or like a play in my head. So I'm just thinking about King Jehoshaphat. He, he knows he's about to walk into battle. He knows that God's going to take care of him, but he wants to be obedient. So I, this is how I imagine things went down. I imagine he went, okay, I've got this idea. Are there any, and he looks at the army, are there any singers here? Anybody that can sing? And some suckers raised their hand because they didn't know what was about to happen. And they raised their hand and they go, yes, I can sing. And he goes, okay, come over here. We're going to put you out right here. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to go into battle and we're going to be back here. You're going to be up here. And as we go into battle, here's what I want you to do. I want you to worship. And watch what it says. It says that this is the song that they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at that, at the very moment that they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. And it goes on to say that not a single one of the enemy had escaped. As soon as they opened up their mouths in worship, God obliterated their enemies. But that's not all. As a worship pastor, I read, that, I read that story this week and I couldn't help but ask the question, why did they pick that song? Because I know our team gets together every week, our worship team, and, 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 and through a season, we will pick songs intentionally for where our church is at and what we feel like our church is coming against and what we feel like our, God wants to do within our church. So I knew that there had to be some intentionality with this song. And what I found when I studied this out is that this wasn't just a song that they, that they wrote right on the fly. And it wasn't a random song either. This is actually a song that they would have known from their youth because it's a song that King David wrote. And it's the very first line, that, that very first line that they sing, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever, is the first line of Psalms 136. And I want to take a couple seconds. I want to read this psalm because, because as, as, you, as we read it, I want you to see that there was an intentional reason why they picked this song based on what they were coming against. So remember, this is an army that is walking in to fight a battle to which they're outnumbered 10 to 1, and it's made up of multiple kings. Okay, watch this. Psalm 136, verse 17 through 24. It says this, Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He's killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. It goes on to say, He remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. See, they didn't just pick a random song to start singing, but they intentionally picked a song that matched their circumstances. 
Here's what they did. They, they, they purposely picked their praise to match their problem. They were coming up against a big army which, to which they were outnumbered. And what did they start doing? They started singing about all the times that God's come through and fought their battles for them. Listen, they handpicked their praise to match their problem. And there's something for us to gather from that this morning. I wonder what would happen if we started to identify the enemy's attacks on our life. And then we started to handpick our praises to match our problems. Here's what I mean by that. What if when we we woke up and we realized, okay, I've got a big meeting today. I've got a big presentation at work today. I'm dealing with a little anxiety. I'm dealing with a little worry. And here's what we do. Okay, I know what the enemy's coming against me. The enemy's coming against me with fear. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick a song. I know a song. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. And we, and we combat that fear with our praise. Or what about if we're dealing with maybe a circumstance in which we, feel, we know God's called us to do something. Maybe God's putting a dream in your heart or a calling on your life, but for whatever reason, the resources just aren't in play yet. Or maybe, have you ever, uh, we've all been there before where we look at our bank account and we go, I know bills are coming up. It's the first of the month. I know bills are coming up. I don't have what it takes. Okay, so, so the enemy's coming against us with this overwhelming feeling that maybe God's going to let us down this one time. And we go, no, 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 I've got a song for that. This is my confidence. He's never failed me yet because I've seen you move. You move the mountains and I believe I'll see you do it again. Or what about if you wake up and maybe you've gone through some loss or you've gone through some heartache and you're dealing with some depression and, and the enemy comes against you with just thoughts of suicide and thoughts of worthlessness and, 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 and starts asking you the question of, well, why are you even living anymore? What if instead of trying to fight that on your own, fight that off on your own, you began to, to sing a song and you go, no, I've got a song for that. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Life's worth living just because he lives. So what we're doing, what we need to be doing is we need to be handpicking our praises to match our problems. Our worship is our first line of defense and it's our first action of offense. We need to be fighting our battles not from a position of knowledge or a position of pride or even a position of going, I've got all these things in my life put together. We need to be walking into battle on a daily basis going, I've got a God who's bigger than anything I could come against. Okay? So worship is a choice. Worship is creative. Worship is combative. And the last thing that I want to talk about this morning is how worship is connection. Worship is connection. And I put this last because it's the most important point. And I'll invite the band up at this point. It's the most important point this morning. Because really, it's out of the connection that we have with, with our Father, with Jesus, that every one of these benefits flows out of. We don't just worship because it helps us fight against the enemy. We don't just worship because it helps us order our lives. It, we worship because it connects us to the one who can do all those things in our life. See, with a, a connection with God will get you through anything. In the 1880s, there was a, 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 a push to bring the gospel to India. And at that time, India was a very unreached place because it was very hostile. They prided themselves for how hostile they were against outsiders. And the people that actually ruled the land at the time were called headhunters. Their stature, these men, their stature and their, their um, importance in society was based on how many heads they'd collected. I mean, it was just a very brutal, brutal time. And if you know anything um, um, about Hinduism, the, the, that, that religion itself is a religion that believes in, in many, 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 many gods. It's one of the most demonic religions that there are out there. 
It was a very dark place, India was. And so there was a big push to bring the gospel to India. And in, 1880s, this, in the 1880s, this Welsh missionary saw his first converts. And it was this man and this woman and his two kids. And these, the, this family got radically saved. I mean, they got saved, baptized, set free. I mean, they, 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 got, they met Jesus. So the missionary goes away and the chief of the village decides that he's going he's gonna to make an example of this family. And so he brings them to the, to the center of the village and he puts the man and his wife over here and he brings the kids over to the middle where everyone can see. And he looks at the man and he says, if you don't renounce your faith in Jesus, I'm going to kill your kids. Now there's a couple different accounts to this story, but this is for certain. The man wrote the words that, that were about to come out of his mouth, but I believe that he began to sing them. See, when he got saved, God put a song in his heart and he wrote it down. And so in the midst of, of this overwhelming difficulty where he's trying to make sense of the Jesus that he just met versus what's happening in his life, he does what he, the only thing that he knows to do and he begins to sing this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And at that, the chief of the village kills his kids. And then he brings his wife over. And he says, if you don't renounce your faith in Jesus, I'm going to kill your wife. And the man being faced with an overwhelming situation does the only thing that he knows to do. He begins to sing, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. And at that, the, the chief killed his wife. So just imagine where this man's at. He's, he's just seen his entire family murdered in front of him. He can still see his children's uh, bodies lying there on the ground and his wife's body lying right next to them. What, what was such a joyful encounter with the, the creator of the universe, with a God that loved them, has ended with such a terrible circumstance. And the chief brings the man to the center right there next to his, the corpses of his children and his wife. And he says, if you don't renounce Jesus, I'm going to take your life next. And he does what only he knows to do, which he begins to worship and he begins to sing, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. But that's not the end of the story. See, when the missionary came back to check on these people that had received Jesus, these new brothers and sisters in Christ, he found that although that family had died and been killed, that at the man's final breath, when the whole tribe had seen the response that this man had to the circumstances around him, that revival broke out in this village. That, that, that the missionary came back and found a village that had been totally turned towards the Lord. Listen, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what kind of battles you're facing. I don't know what kind of things you might be going through. But I, I know this. I know that a connection with the creator of the universe will get you through anything. I know that when you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do, you can still lift your hands and worship. And I feel like sometimes there's somebody in here that's, that's trying to fight through their circumstances right now. And, and God's saying, listen, put your sword away and lift your hands. Worship through this season. Worship through these circumstances. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?
Every week we ask this question, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe the Holy Spirit's shown you some, some, some times in your day where, where you can devote a little bit of undivided attention and affection to Him. Maybe for the first time you're realizing that there's a God that so desperately wants to encounter you on a day-to-day basis. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? If you're new to a new song, another way to say that would be, what's God saying to you right now? If you're new to the things of God entirely, what are you thinking? God speaks through our thoughts. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you don't expect us or want us to fight alone. And that although you told us there would be trouble, Lord, I thank you that your joy comes in the morning and that, that you sustain us. Lord, help us to find times and ways to better connect with you. We want to get to know you more. You gave up so much, Jesus, to get to know us. But we want to get to know you more. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come down right now. We're about to go into a time of worship, but it's also a time for you to come and receive prayer. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what kind of burdens maybe you walked into this room with. But don't walk out of them with a burden. If you have a burden in your hand when you walked in this morning, don't walk out with a burden. We want to pray for you. This time is not just a time for people to, um, that, that are the worst of the worst. It's the time for all of us to come down. We all need prayer. We all need prayer. So would you stand with me? As we go into this next song, if you, if you have a prayer, for any re- a prayer need of any reason, I want you to come down and receive prayer. But if you don't, here's my encouragement to you. Spend some time giving God your heart's affection your mind's attention, and your life's submission this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that right now in Jesus' name, you would draw every person that needs prayer for any reason. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.